0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting po- podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Tessie. Hi, I'm Betsy. I'm recovering anorexic, a compulsive reader. And Nikki, thank you so much for asking me. Um, I'm not sure why I have so much anxiety around just telling the truth. You know, I don't have to, um, whatever, um, whatever. Just have a lot of anxiety around that. So really, 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 really glad and grateful to be here and to, um, you know, to have, to be able to carry the message. You know, um, early early in meetings, like, I didn't have the message to share, I just had the mess, you know. And I um, was really grateful and, and fortunate that, um, you know, that I was desperate enough and crazy enough and kind of that the cosmos, al- cosmos aligned enough that um, I was able to work the steps of the program and get recovered before I died, you know. Um, you know, the people that gave me candles tonight um, have been... Um, with me on the road to recovery. My husband, not for the whole road, thank God, because, I mean, he would have had to have been God himself to have married me when I first got into program, but um, for real, I mean, just was not capable of, I oh mean, my God. <laughs> I wish I had a videotape, you know, a videotape of what I was like, because um, I could it would have so much more accurately and clearly described and shown what I was like at that point. Um, but I don't, so I have to go based on... Um, you know, just my own recollection of what was and what happened and what it's like now. And I did have to sign away, like, my firstborn child to, in order to, to get on the podcast. I mean, I was like, wow... Um, I, I'm not planning to sell this to anyone, or you know, publish a book, or and I was also told not to mention any outside literature, and I was like, dang, that was all I was going to do was talk about outside literature. <laughs> all I was going to do through the whole pitch is talk about this and that and everything that has nothing to do with the with the program. But that's not that's just a joke, not really. So, um, you know, I, I when I've shared before, I get kind of bored with my story. You know, I wish, um, and you know, I I didn't ask. In prayer, I didn't specifically ask that I had a different story to tell, um, so maybe it'll just be, if you've heard me share before, it'll just be the same thing that you've heard, because the early part of my story is just the same. Um, I was born into a family of people that had a variety of issues. Um, I have alcoholism, like, coursing through the veins of the family tree, and, um, you know, I've got people in my, in my immediate family have a variety of food issues. Um, whether they acknowledge that to themselves or to anyone else or not is, is true in varying degrees. Um, I don't know. You know what 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 part of all that is relevant? I don't know. You know I um I I you know I guess the other thing that I'll say to people that are new is that kind of this my story is just my story, right? I'm not like an authority. Um, and while my experience has been that you know, my story doesn't look the the same as anybody else's story exactly, but what I was taught and um, what has really, really, really helped me has has been to look for the similarities instead of the differences. You know, you can look at my life and say, oh, I didn't have that happen, and 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 I can do that with people in rooms like these as well. But the reality is that Whatever our experiences are, um, my experience has shown that the program is really, really effective. And I'm not, I mean, there's a room full of people here who whose stories don't look exactly like mine, but who have found that the steps have worked to, you know, remove the obsession with food and the, compuls- the compulsion to do whatever you do with food, you know. So that's the disclaimer. Um, um, you know, I've kind of, and this isn't even a memory I have, but there's a story that that runs through my family that gets told every so often whenever people think of it. Um, Kind of my earliest, again, it's not a memory, but the earliest story about food for me was that we were at some kind of family retreat or something, um, and nobody could find me. Like, they didn't know where I was, and and I was under the table with the butter dish, like eating the butter just straight. So, um, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a, one of those stories that, that never dies but um so you know that was the earliest story um my experience was also that I was a I was a gymnast um and you know so I was extremely active I mean I was really from the time I was like three um I was in gymnastics and um you know I could really eat really 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 large quantities of food and it didn't have an impact because I was you know um in, you know, actively in the gym, you know, multiple days a week. Um, You know, I wasn't like fabulous or wonderful or anything (laughs) like that. It's just, I was just really active so I could eat really large quantities of food. And, um, you know, what I, what came... What what became clear as I began working the steps in you know, OA was that uh, my sponsor pointed out to me, she said, You know, whatever the eating behavior was, whether it was gorging myself or starving myself, it was always worse at my dad's house. And my dad is um, one of the primary alcoholics in my life, and my parents divorced when I was um, really, really young. And, um, you know, so we would go visit him, you know, consistently. I saw him throughout my childhood, uh, I mean, throughout my life. But, um, whatever it was that I was doing with food at that moment, you know, was always worse there, um, you know, growing up, I would remember we would go out to eat, and my dad had a lot more money than my mom did, and, um, you know, it's a whole other story, but when we would go there, we'd go out to eat a lot, and I would just, I just remember, you know, stuffing myself, um, you know, to the point of being physically uncomfortable with how much I'd eaten, and, um, My, um, and my, you know, again, do I think this is what caused my anorexia? No, of course not. But it's just really telling about about my family. And my dad said to me, you know, I I was the typical kind of um, child of an alcoholic and, you know, nagged him and, you know, ad nauseum about his drinking and his smoking. And, you know, he he was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Go Packers. Um, not outside um, literature, but it is an outside issue. I, I don't care. Go Packers. So, um, um, so he was born and raised in Green Bay, as was my mom. And, you know, part one of the things that you do in the Midwest is you just drink a lot, and you smoke, and you, I mean, whatever. I'm sure there are a lot of lovely people in the Midwest who don't drink a lot and smoke, but that was my family story. Um, and, you know, he was drinking alcoholically long before my parents ever – probably, I'm sure, before they ever met and certainly before they married. And um, my dad said to me, you know, in one of those conversations about his drinking and how much it was distressing me and how upset I was, um, you know, he said, well, when you stop eating, I'll stop drinking. And um, so I went on to starve myself, and, of course, that didn't change his drinking behavior at all. It just made him really, 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 really angry. Um, again, like, whatever. So I don't really think that, <laughs> what that impact, what impact that had or it didn't have. Because I was well on my way to um, a long, fruitful history of an eating disorder before he said that. But, you know, whatever. It kind of makes for a good story. So, um, let's see. Um gymnast, blah, 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 um, you know, and, you know, again, whatever, I, I really don't believe that these things, you know, made me anorexic, or, you know, whatever, but it's just part of the story, so as a gymnast, I had to get weighed every week, and I had to write down all the food that I ate, um, and I would just make it up, because I was like, I don't even know how old I was, my god, I was probably 10 or 11 or something, and, you know, I mean, who, my God, I'm 10 or 11. Like, I'm not going to, rem- so I would make it up. Like, I have to, we'd have to turn in our food diary of what we had eaten, you know, and i just make stuff up, like cookies, and I don't even know, you know, because I was just eating whatever 10 or 11 year old be. you know, I don't know. Um, so that was just kind of part of the deal. And, um, you know, I, I stopped being active in gymnastics probably around the time I was 12 or so. And, um, you know, if I look back at kind of, what my life was like in the midst of in the midst of active you know and just in just the, in the midst of whatever eating behavior was going on at the time you know i it was i was not a happy well-rounded kind of chick you know i mean i guess there are people in, i mean i don't know if there are people in the world who are have addictions and they're just happy and well-rounded in every other area except that i don't know that was not my experience um <laughs> I was not a happy. I mean, I was um, ugh, whatever. Way too long to go into all the gory details, but I just wasn't a really happy, well-rounded chick. I was, you know, really, um, you know, I was in middle school and I was afraid that people were going to leave me, and just I had all these issues that I came to learn a lot about a lot late, like, a lot later. But at the time, you know, I just lied a lot, and um, you know, had to kind of lived these double lives because I would spend time at my dad and my stepmom's house, and you know, they had limited parenting skills, <laughs> um, I've come to know, really, 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 really come to know that, you know, my parents really did better than the best they could do, you know, and they did much better than was done for them, you know, and I know that today. I mean, I I, I hated my dad with more venom than you could hate any human being or any entity ever. Despised him, wished every horrible thing that could ever happen to happen to him. Um, but truly, I know, you know, as a result of the steps, and as a result of having gone through the steps multiple times and done a really active, thorough, insanely thorough job, um, you know, I really, um, I really get that that they, they absolutely did the best that they could do. And, you know, I really, like, I have an appreciation for my mom, you know. I mean, again, her, you know, whatever. She was a single mom with four kids and a man who had left her because he was in love with someone else. And, um, you know, she she did an unbelievable job. We all turned out, you know, pretty well. It was a rocky road along the way, but we all turned out really well. And I was just thinking about her. My husband's actually kind of in the beginning processes of um, participating in making this movie about um, like a living funeral, right? Because when people die, we say all these wonderful things about them. And, um, you know, it's all about like being able to say those things to people when they're actually alive instead of when they've died and then everybody reflects about how fabulous they were. So... Um, anyway, so I was just thinking about my mom recently, and it's said, God, you know, I, I need to tell her again what an amazing job she did with us. You know, again, way better than was done for her, and, and better than the best she could have done, you know. So, um... Anyway, so I was living these different lives, because my, my dad and my stepmom had, like I said, limited parenting skills, and so I could d- do all the things that I wasn't allowed to do at, at my mom. so, you know, I couldn't wear makeup, and I couldn't shave my legs, and I couldn't wear high heels, but when I was at my dad's, I did all of that stuff, and they thought that it was fine and fabulous, and my dad, you know, so clearly had to set up his butt that he couldn't recall that that wasn't okay with all of my other stuff, <laughs> you know, the drinking, I'm sure it progressed by that time, but whatever, so... A um, lot of lying, a lot of, uh, anyway, just what was true, and kind of around the time, like around eighth grade, I, um, you know, there's just some really painful stuff with some friendships that was going on, and, um, you know, it's just just a lot of pain, and I, you know, what I remember, I've been thinking about this, kind of what I remember specifically as being one of the major milestones was that when I was whatever, whatever, 13 or 12 or whatever I was at that point, um, I had a friend who weighed 100 pounds and I decided that I wanted to weigh 100 pounds. And so, um, again, the exact timeline is kind of fuzzy because it's been several years since I was 12. But, um, um, you know, I had this calorie book, and um, anyway, eventually I I got down to 100 pounds, and then I just kind of kept going. And I had this calorie book, and um, it, you know, in the back of the book, it says, you know, if you want to weigh whatever. This was, God, this was how many years ago? That was like 19... 83, 84, something like that, Uh, you know, long before all the diets were well acquainted with now, but, um, you know, say if you want to weigh whatever, I'm just making it up, if you want to weigh 100 pounds, you eat 1,200 calories, and what progressed for me was that I kept hacking that calorie amount down, right, so if it said you want to weigh 100 pounds, you eat 1,200 calories, instantly, it's like, oh, we're going to cut that down to 1,000, and then it got, oh, we're going to cut that down to 800, and like, oh, we're going to cut it down to this, and, um, you know, that kind of began that phase of my issues with food and, um, you know, kind of at the lowest point that I was. I'm trying to think exactly how much I weighed today. So I was be somewhere between 25 and 30 pounds less than I weigh now, kind of at, at my lowest. And, um, you know, what happened for me was that we had a family friend um, again really bizarre story but a man who is now my stepdad he was not my stepdad at the time but his daughter was anorexic and again this was long before anorexic and bulimic was like in vogue you know it was whatever time that was I don't know and um so my mom was aware of what it looked like you know was aware of what what that looked like and um she um she got me some help you know and you know what I really believed, and there and there is some truth to this. What I really believed, and what um, and what I was told by my family is that I kind of made it up. Like I knew, you know, there was this movie called The Best Little Girl in the World, and she wasn't really. I mean, she was anorexic, but she was really bulimic, and she was like barfing and using laxatives and doing a whole bunch of stuff. But at that time, like I thought it was long. It was like at the at the dawn of people's awareness of eating disorders, sort of. Um, and so. I, I saw that, I had seen that movie, and, um, you know, I just felt like, and it was true, there was there was dramatization of what I was doing that was going on. I mean, I really genuinely have an eating disorder, I didn't make it all up, I mean, like, what the hell would I be doing here, right? If I just made it up, I would have stopped making it up and, you know, been on living a happy life. But, um, um, but that's what, I mean, my family said, oh, you're just doing this for attention, you're just, you know, there's really nothing wrong with you, you're just trying to get attention, and... um you know, which is indicative of kind of just what, what my family system was like. But um, I ended up being hospitalized relatively quickly, and my mom said to me, she took me to a therapist, and, um, you know, even though my li- I was in a tremendous amount of pain at that time, I remember sitting in his office and, like, crying and saying, oh, no, everything's fine. It's like, my life is fine. You know, here I am, my mother's paying for me to see somebody professionally, and I, even at that point I couldn't to say the truth you know I didn't tell the truth about what was going on for me um again so there's a lot of stuff around that but um my mom said that the only reason I was hospitalized is because he was going out of he's going on vacation and so <laughs> she's like well you know we I really think the only reason that they he put you in the hospital is because he wasn't going to be around to kind of tend to you so you know whatever so like I said at that point I weighed somewhere between whatever that was um Math is not my strong suit, so whatever. Between twenty-five and thirty pounds less than I weigh now, and it was there that I was actually introduced to OA um, when I was um, 14, fourteen, at the right old age of fourteen. And my story is not that at the at, at fourteen, at that moment, I came in and started working the steps, and life has been fabulous ever since. That was not what happened, um, but I did, I did um, get exposed to meetings, and I. Um, but I, you know, kind of the upshot of the whole story is that I was exposed to meetings. I I came to meetings. I had sponsors. I read the literature. I was of service. I did all that stuff, but I did never work the steps. Um, so the moral of the story today is there's, the steps are really the program, you know, and it took me several years after that and a lot more pain and an additional hospitalization, um, to get that, right? Um, even though I'm sure people in meetings have been saying that forever, but for some reason I didn't get that message. I got, you know, like, Oh, do this and do this. And those things helped a little bit, but in my own experience, um, you know, the active kind of thorough methodical working of the steps with a sponsor is what has, what has removed the, that's a lie. It's not removed, Relieved the obsession, um, to act out with food on a daily basis. Um, that's that's what's done that for me. It wasn't just coming to meetings. It wasn't being, I mean, I did everything except work the steps. It wasn't just having a sponsor. It wasn't just reading the literature. It wasn't just making phone calls. Those things, you know, the literature, our literature talks about, um, you know, those things are intended to support the process of working the steps. They are not an end in and of themselves. They're tools to assist us in working the steps. So, um, so, Fast forward, um, from the time I was 14 until the, until the October 1st of 1990, which would have meant, help me with the math, must have been before, right before I turned 20. Um, you know, like I said, my life was insane. I stopped coming to meetings, you know, fully began, you know, starving myself and binging and vomiting and I I didn't do that for any long-term period. I just did it on occasion, um. But that continued, and my life got insanely, 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 insanely worse. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty smart chick, and I almost failed high school. Uh, failed out of high school, didn't graduate um, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And based on the fact that I had been extremely obsessive early in my high school years, and nothing less than straight A's was helpful, I was able to graduate. But it was very, 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 very close. So. Um, and, you know, I, I also had been getting outside help from the time that I was 14, and that also didn't fix my eating disorder. It didn't fix it. it um, I'm Like I said, I'm, you know, kind of a smart chick, and so I could figure things out, but figuring that out didn't give me the power to deal with my eating disorder. I just didn't. It's been very helpful in my life and really truly saved me from killing myself um, <laughs> on more than one occasion. But um, my experience has been that the active work of the steps of this program has been the only thing that has given me like an amazing functional like life where I can actually make a difference in other people's lives. You know, where I'm not so completely consumed with what I ate or what I didn't eat or how much sweet I had for lunch and what I'm going to eat for dinner and how many calories I've eaten and how much exercise I have to do to burn off the calories that I ate yesterday or, or worrying about that or, you know, I don't live there today. I just don't live there. Um, and the reality was that, you know, I, 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 can't, I don't even know what the when when it was but you know through all that time you know being you know the weight that I was it never occurred to me that I was thin you know I mean that's the illness that's the distortion of the illness you know I would stand I mean my god you know self-obsession at its finest you know I'd stand for hours and you no know, probably not hours maybe hours I <laughs> stand for long periods of time in front of the mirror you know staring at my body and I would um you know as, as my weight was going down 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 um, I would stand in front of the mirror and pull the fat away from my thighs so I could see what I looked like if I, what I would look like if I was thin. You know, not having any clue, like I said, that you know I was underweight <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, and again, you know that that part of my story is not everybody's story. But the fact that I acted out with food because I didn't have another way to deal with my life, I would offer as, as a possibility for anyone here. You know. Um, didn't have good tools for living in the world and for um, being able to live in the world without trying to destroy myself on a daily basis. Um, So, um, like I said, I was hospitalized again when I was 17. I was hospitalized for six months. It was a very different time. Healthcare was not what it is now. And so I was, I was in a, a psychiatric hospital for six months and, um, you know, started kind of coming back to meetings, but still was doing, you know, a lot of acting out with food and, um, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of gory details, but um, I, and I didn't wake up one day and go, oh my God, what an idiot I've been. If I had just worked the steps, none of this would have happened. That didn't happen for me. And, and I guess, you know, I guess that's kind of a message of hope is that, you know, I didn't I didn't, in my apartment or my house or my home or whatever and kind of figure out a master plan for how my life was going to get better. Um, it, it, was, it was taken care of by a power greater than myself. It was not anything that I arranged or planned or figured out or whatever. I mean, what happened was, um, and I was a mess. I mean, I was later told by people I, I grew up kind of how long Probably an hour east of here, and you know, I found out later once I had begun working the steps and got some some measure of sanity. People told me that they hated to see me come to me. <laughs> I was a mess, you know, I'd sit in meetings and just like blather on, and I don't, I don't even think they had timers then, I mean, that was like back in the, you know, back in the whatever when that was, in the early 90s, you know, at least, if, and that's, maybe they still don't have timers out there, I don't know, but God, I swear to God, there were people that told me that they just used to hate me, hate to see me come through the doors of a meeting, um, so, you know, I, I, there might still be individuals that feel that way, but probably not the vast number of people that... that I would imagine felt that way when they saw me coming through the doors. Um, so, you know, what happened for me is that um, there was a woman who was mean and she scared me. But she kind of had what I wanted. I mean, she had somewhat of a sane life, you know, and and I could see that, you know, I could see that in her. And one night I called her and I was crying and I said, well, actually, she and I had spoken on the phone before and, you know, I'd call her up and I'd be like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. And, um she would say, oh, you know, you need to write a, write a four-column four column inventory and call me back. You know, of course, oh my God, I didn't even know what that was, didn't know how to do it. So that did not happen. You know, so I had had contact with her before, but this one night, I called her, and I was crying, and I said, you know, Mary Ellen, you have to help me. And she thought that that meant I wanted her to sponsor me, which was not what I meant. I, mean, I didn't know what I meant. I just was in pain, and I was crying. And so that began the process of my working the steps. Um, so I really mean that. I didn't, I, I was not hit with a bolt of lightning and said, oh, my God, what a dope I am. Here's what I really have to do. It was completely taken care of for me. And for whatever reason, it was the right time, you know, it was, it was the right time. And um, I was, like I said, desperate. And I had been absent I had been abstinent at that point for approximately, uh, maybe like a year or so. And um, but I was insane. I mean, nuts. Like, you know, couldn't. Oh my god! you know couldn't ha- you know there there was so much kind of noise in my head that I couldn't like have a normal conversation with another human being. you know, I wasn't a productive member of the human race. I was kind of sucking all the energy of everyone around me because I was just a mess um so that really started the process and what happened is um you know was, I began crazily and obsessively working the program, and you know um I, you know twenty well, let's see. So I started in the program I, again. Math is not my strong suit. So, 1985. What is that? 26 years ago? Almost 26 years. Is that right? Did I do the math? Sorry. Right? Okay. So, 26 years ago, but I have 20 years of abstinence. And so, you know, what? Like I said, I didn't walk in the first meeting and be like, Oh my God, of course. This is what I, this is the answer to my life. Um, it's not what happened. You know, there was a lot, there was a six-year period that was a mess and a nightmare. And um, and a nightmare for me and for my family and for everybody that came in contact with me. But um, I began really crazily, obsessively working the steps. And again, not because I, I don't know why. It was just where I was at that time. And I had some sense inside of me that I didn't, You know, I didn't know, and, you know, I didn't know if I would have another opportunity. You know, it just, she, she was very structured. And like I said, she was mean. You know, she was, she was a mean kind of chick. I mean, she loved me to death, and, um, but she was mean. And she told me later that she would never sponsor anybody like me. (laughs) Because it took too much time. I just, I I was a low-bottom kind of gal, and it took, she told me that. It took, took too much time. So, um, but here's the thing, um, here's the thing is that her life experience was totally different than mine. She'd been like a sheriff. she'd been married for forty years like her life experience was completely different than my like, than, than my life experience. but on the inside we were she and I were more alike than anybody I'd ever met at that up to that point so again, you know it it's just the way the program works, and you know that whatever for for her never to be able you know to never sponsor anybody like me again i mean that's the honest that's whatever but the truth is is that the she could she could do that for me because she had been like me she had been where I was you know and she wasn't there at that point and so you know began working the steps and um and you know I have some other grave emotional and mental disorders but I worked it crazily obsessively and it ended up serving me really really well you know um I, again, it's just who I was and and where I was, and and that's just what happened, and um, completely saved my life, you know. And so I did that, and then I um, went to another program. I mean, I never have never never left OA in the twenty, you know, whatever twenty plus years that it's been. Um, but worked the steps in another program, worked all the steps there, and I'm back at the beginning, working the steps again. Um, and what? You know, truly, 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 truly. You know, um, the the twelve step says. You know, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, um, and and that's been true for me. You know, I don't. You know, ninety eight percent of my life has nothing to do with how much I weigh or what I look like, or and not that I don't go through periods where that where that's up for me because that's. It, I absolutely do, you know, um, where I become, I think, ooh, getting on the scale is really the way to go, you know. It just kind of tantalizes me, and um, I don't own a scale. I haven't owned a scale for 26 years, you know. Um, and there's and the process of recovery for me has looked really different. I mean, what I do today with food looks really different than what I did 20 years ago. Um, it, it just, in, you know, in turn, like I used to be, um, oh, God. It's painful. <laughs> it's painful to remember what it was like but in you know my sponsor was like no sugar you will not have any kind of sugar and so I began you know I wouldn't even eat sweet and low because there was like dextrose was the first ingredient of the sweet and low you know I mean it's like just crazy obsessed and whatever and um so there's just been you know it's been an evolution right but the truth for me is for the last 20 years you know I haven't had to um you know, act out of my compulsion with food, whatever that looks like. I mean, I haven't, you know, for the last 20 years, it looks like I eat, you know, three meals a day. Um, I don't snack in between. You know, I don't purge. I don't exercise like a maniac. Um, so that's what it looks like, and and you know, um, that's kind of that's just what's true for me. And I, you know, from the anorexic side, I don't skip meals because that would be acting out of my compulsion in that way. And I don't like. Myself. You know, that's what it looks like on the other side. So um, that's what's been true for me for the last 20 years. Um, and what's happened in the last 20 years is, is what happens to every human being in 20 years. You know, I've been through, uh, you know, I graduated from college um, in abstinence. You know, I um, lost my virginity in abstinence. You know, I have fallen in love and out of love in abstinence. You know, my dad, I had very close members of my family die. My dad, my grandma, people that I was very, very close to have died in abstinence. And the, and the miracle of the program is that, you know, I have ways to deal with that that don't involve me destroying myself with food. Um, I got married in abstinence, you know, and, and, and the truth. And, and, and in that 20 years, you know, um, it hasn't been, you know, like a bed of roses. It really, really hasn't, you know. In, for the first probably eight or ten years of the program, life was hard because I had to, Heal and go through all those old ways of being that weren't really working for me, you know. And it was hard; it was really, really hard. And then it kind of got better for you know. It, I mean, the 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 moral of the story is that there really is a light at the end of the tunnel, but the light at the end of the tunnel doesn't last forever. It's like okay, so really hard at the beginning, but you know, I I have a really good life, you know. But it, it's not easy. I mean, it, that's the point. And you know, if somebody tells you that. That work, I mean, the, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is work the 12 steps of this program, Or nothing. You know, that involved for me, you know, living through, um, abstinently living through flashbacks of the sexual abuse that I dealt with. You know, um, that, you know, being abstinent has has been really, really hard at times. And if you can find somebody who, for them, is that abstinence and working the steps has been easy, man, hang out with them. <laughs> that hasn't been my experience. I mean, my life is amazing and good. And I have, you know, unbelievable relationships with my family. You know, the dad, my dad, who, who I swear to you, hated more than, I hated he and my brother um, worse than anybody could hate anyone. And really, truly wished every horrible thing that had ever happened to happen to him. You know, I really, really wish that. You know, the, in the two and a half or three years before he died, because of the process of working the steps, you know, I had an amazing relationship with him. I was estranged from him for many, many years in abstinence, in recovery. And before he died, I got to be, you know, the best daughter I was capable of being and got to have made, I mean, I had made amends to him and to make living amends and to be with him as he as he was dying of cancer, you know, and dying of, you know, all the abuse of his own body that he had had um, wrought upon himself so i have amazing relationships with my family today you know um and and i have good close very good close friendships with with human beings who know me who really know me not who like know sort of the brushed up version of me but the real who i really am you know i've learned how to have you know intimate friendships and relationships and um you know, that's just the truth. Um, I got married actually, you know, um, I used to live on the side of town and, and, um, I got married like just over four years ago and and that's been really, really hard. And, um, if you know me and you've sat in meetings with me, you know that (laughs) it has not been easy. It's been really, 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 really difficult. And, um, you know, that's just what's true for me. It's not true for everybody. Not true. It's just what's true for me, you know? Um, and so it's, you know, again, it's just the process and, and when I think about that and I've been talking when I, I was talking with a good friend of mine recently and you know, it's like if I look back over the over my the history of my life in abstinence, you know, things that have been horrible and painful and difficult and challenging, you know, have turned into really amazing, wonderful, peaceful, beautiful parts of my life. And so there's no reason for me I mean not no reason, my God, I could find a reason to feel shitty for, for any reason whatever that looks like but if I were if if I remind myself and I look back at my life experience I have no reason to believe that this experience will be any different that you know there there that has been true that has been born out in my life over and over and over again in abstinence and and the miracle of the program is that um you know if I were if I were starving myself or as binging or as consistently acting out with food there isn't really a space for me to grow and learn from what's what's going on for me and find a different way to deal with it if i'm acting out with food that's what i know and the disease takes over and i'm consumed by it and that's all i can focus on is that you know so um the steps have changed my life miraculously um i've done really amazing things you know gone overseas and done volunteer work you know i mean i really am able today in my life to make a contribution to other human beings you know Um, and that wasn't true you know 25 years ago so thanks Thank you again for asking me to share. And um, if you guys have questions, feel free to ask. So the question is, how do I converse with my higher power? Um, you know, that that's changed over time, too. You know, I think what happens for me is I wake up in the morning and I, um, and I do a a time of prayer and meditation. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. Um, and I do that every day, you know, and have for, I got started out really, really early for me. That, that sponsor that took me through the steps, you know, started me out on, I mean, I would set a timer, like, you know, one minute of prayer, I can't remember which one, two minutes of prayer and one minute of meditation. I'd set the timer and that was all I could do at the beginning, but I would do that as consistently as I could. What it looks like today is just, kind of an a ongoing conversation, you know, in the midst of whatever is going on for me. I don't, um, you know, I have specific kind of religious practices that I engage in, so that's a piece of it. Um, um, but it's really just an internal conversation that happens throughout the day, and truly, you know, because there has been such a monumental shift internally, it's just part of who I am and what I think and how I, you know, deal with the world today. Um. You know, and conversations with my higher power sometimes come, you know, before I'm writing, before I'm doing some, you know, program writing to deal with something. You know, it happens in the midst of that. But it's just, um, it's just mostly asking for help, you know, and asking um, for guidance. You know, before I came into the meeting today, I was listening to, to you too, which is like some of the most spiritual music I can listen to. And um, I have a CD that I know virtually every word of every song on that CD, so I was listening to that on the way over. And then before I came in, I just sat in the car and just sat quietly and just, you know, um, you know there was a woman that told me a long time ago that b- before she was speaking at a meeting, she just said, you know, ego, step aside, God's in charge. And so I just spent some time, quiet time before I came in, just sitting quietly and asking for, you know, God's will and guidance. And I um, I did get outside help. I reconciled with it with the program because I had a sponsor that drew re- – I mean, you know, she's not the healthiest chick either. I mean, God bless her. You know, I love her to death, and she saved my life. But, you know, she's pretty, like, pretty rigid, and, and that's what I needed at the time. So she drew really clear lines. Like, that's a program issue. That's not a program issue. Do you know? So there were things that were going on. I mean, I had been – by that point, I had been in therapy for – however long that had been, you know, six or seven years, right? And so I was, like, all about, like, how I feel. And I thought, oh, if I just figure out how I feel, then everything's going to be fine. And so I did that obsessively and crazily and insanely to an extreme, because that's kind of who I am. And she said to me one time, she said, Betsy, I don't care what you think, and I don't care how you feel. It's what you do that matters. And I, I swear to you, that saved my life, because it, You know, program gave me really concrete actions. Do this. Do this. I could do those things. But me getting stuck in, like, uh, what do I think and how do I feel and, you know, all that stuff um, wasn't really getting me a whole lot of anything except for a lot crazier, you know. So, um, So originally, like I said, there were really clear lines drawn. And what's happened for me in my recovery is that those really black and white, you know, rigid lines have softened quite a bit. So I don't have like, oh, this is a program issue and this is not a program issue. Um, so it was it was just kind of an evolution of things. But originally it was it was pretty clearly pointed out to me, and I'm grateful for that because you know, and my God, she said she didn't have she wouldn't have time to sponsor anybody like me again. My God, if she would have just let me go on and on, I you know I would have taken. 300 hours more of her time. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, that was with really clear lines drawn that she was telling me I was taking too much of her time. <laughs> she didn't tell me that at the time, but she told me that years later, you know. Um, so, those really clear lines helped me and helped her to sponsor me, you know, because there was just stuff that she'd be like, you know what, you need to write about that and call me back and don't, we're not going to talk about it anymore until you've done some inventory on it. Um, it was, uh, so the question was, sorry, I think I forgot to ask your question, Justin. So whoever listens, did I? Did I repeat it? Sweet. Okay. So the question is, with the resentment that I had towards my dad, did I, um, did I simply do foreign column in inventory, or did I get outside help? I mean, it was both were true for me. Um, I couldn't have done one without the other. I don't think, or maybe I could have. I don't know. I didn't. Um, but there was. I have written so much form column inventory on my dad. It would. Oh my God! You know, killed probably many, 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 many trees. Um, tons of four column inventory on my dad. Like, and and in fact, after I wrote, after I'd worked through the steps the first time, I did a, an extensive inventory specifically on my dad. So, in addition to having gone through all the steps and done it that way, I did, I, I spent a, a, an entire four step process only on my dad. So, um, you know, my dad's kind of went well, away gotten a lot of my resentment in in my life and but that was a process of dealing as well I needed some outside help in terms of the sexual abuse and in terms of the things that had happened around that so they were they both worked together for me but I could I had been getting outside help for a long long time and it didn't it didn't give me a way to deal with my tools to deal with my life that prevented me from trying to kill myself with food so that other stuff couldn't have happened without the inventory and without the um, the tools I needed for living a great question and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to restate it so do I still have that same sponsor I don't and the second question is what do I look for in sponsorship I guess Um, I don't have that sponsor basically what happened is that when we finished the steps um, she basically said to me um, you know our relationship I'm summarizing and paraphrasing but she said our relationship is is kind of I'm way too involved with you and you're way too reliant on me and, and we need to not work together anymore and so that's what happened um and it was painful, and it scared the bejesus out of me because I didn't know what to do. Um, but I got through it absolutely is the a, a upshot. And um, just to finish up, uh, you know, today, today, because my whole world isn't consumed with – and I didn't look for her. I just called her crying, and she sponsored me. I mean, I didn't – there wasn't any she, – but she did have a life that worked, and I knew that. Um in terms of sponsorship today, you know, what's important to me is how people um, live in the world and do they have good, strong... I mean, I look for people that have decent marriages because I want that. I mean, I want that in my life. And so I look for people that have what I want and ask them how they did it. So, thank you. <coughs>